Welcome to Super Adaptables, a more than walking video podcast discussion. Today's topic is AI, destined to aid or disable. Our disability community is filled with individuals who have adapted to obtain new abilities since their injuries occurred. Our disability is our greatest strength. It gives us supervision to see the issues facing humanity from a more inclusive perspective and the grit to fight back against all odds. Our goal for these conversations is to make us think critically and for us to leave with a newfound sense of belonging in a world where we have more things in common than we do different. I'm Corey Feasley, a C4, complete quadriplegic since 2005. And I'm Jonathan Sigworth, C7, complete quadriplegic since 2006. Both of us hailing from the great state of Connecticut. Exactly. So the 1999 sci-fi film The Matrix is about a dystopian future where machines keep humans in a simulated reality and use them for energy. In that year, only 3 to 5% of the world had internet access through dial-up modems and memorizing phone numbers was the norm. Today, 56% of people globally use the net. However, there are concerns that the design of our hyperconnectivity could take on a life of its own. From virtual assistants and autonomous vehicles today to robotic caregivers tomorrow, applications for artificial intelligence can be empowering, but they could also negatively impact society at large and the disabled community in particular. As the debate rolls on, you, much like Neo in the Matrix, can either take the blue pill, the story ends and believe whatever you want to believe, or take the red pill and stay in Wonderland and I show you how far the rabbit hole goes. What will you choose, Corey? Me personally, I am definitely a red pill type of guy. I love to find out more information, especially that in which can uh, help benefit our community. John? Yeah, On uh, depends on the day. Some days I feel like a blue pill, but I would say on the most part, definitely the red. Oh, that's funny. And so with that, we want to welcome super adaptables with us today as we call on you say hello your name where you're calling in from your disability and finally are you a red pill or a blue pill type of person harley hello i'm harley draven i'm calling from paris texas i am a c7 incomplete quadriplegic uh, caused by a diving accident on my 19th birthday in 1994 and i am all about the red pill let the adventure begin Awesome. Mark? Uh, my name is Mark. I live in South Carolina. I'm originally from West Virginia. I'm C7 quad complete since 1985. Um, yes, red pill. Give me more. Uh, Nancy? I have a mental disability. Plus a bunch of other things like um, Parkinson's and diabetes and I don't know, sleep apnea, a bunch of other stuff. But I'm getting through it, and I feel pretty good. And um, I'm proud of myself that I've gotten this far. And um, I'm happy to be here. I told my boss, my first boss I had, who's paraplegic, I told Kathy about you guys. I texted her. I thought she might be able to get on, maybe next month. She's brilliant. You know, she writes books. She's around the world explaining to people how to treat and help people with paraplegic, you know, symptoms. So I'm excited to meet you. Likewise, we're excited to have you. And would you say you're a red pill or a blue pill type of person? Huh? A lot? Like would, Democrat or Republican? No, no, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, more <laughs> more like the uh, Matrix, the movie. <laughs> Matrix, the movie? I don't know. Yeah, 
Are you a red Never pill? Like- the Matrix. I'll oh, we have to explain that. <laughs> red, red. The red pill means that you're inquisitive and you want to find the truth. The blue That's pill sure. means, means you'd rather close your eyes and and not ask. No, I'm red. Awesome. I want to write a book. God's will be done, not mine. I'm having a hard time writing because of my handshake. I might be able to dictate, you know, but I need to talk to somebody while I'm dictating to show, to have a dialogue with, with the story, you know. We all need people to, to bounce ideas off of. Huh? Definitely. I see uh, Luna is, has just joined us. Hey, Thank Luna. you for having me. Hello. Right. Sorry I'm late. No problem. No problem. We're just doing introductions. I'm Luna. I'm calling in from Georgia. My disability is caudal regression syndrome and um, end stage renal disease. I'm actually on dialysis now. And uh, I'm definitely a, a red pill kind of person. I need to understand everything and question everything. So that is, that is yep. awesome. Seems like this prescription bottle is not going to be hard to fill because we are all red pills um, over here. But kind of a prerequisite you. for being here. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of think so, right? Um, but yeah, so we're going to lead into question one. So artificial intelligence is a game changer and literally game changer is almost an understatement. In fact, uh, one of the first forms of artificial intelligence that that hit the United States happened in the early 1950s. And it was actually a game of checkers. Um, but the phrase wasn't coined until the late fifties, uh, by a gentleman named, uh, John McCarthy at the Dartmouth Convention. Um, so it, it's just amazing how these things have been added into our society through the more conventional methods of doing things, you know, playing chess or playing checkers by hand. But in the disability community, we use various assistive technology to help us get through our day. Many of these pieces of equipment are powered by AI. What types of machinery, software, or tools do you use and do you find them to be helpful or a hindrance? Are you overly dependent on them? And as Corey and I were, were talking about this question, um, you know, these days it's kind of difficult to figure out what has AI in it and what doesn't, because it just seems like almost everything nowadays does. I was looking, listening to uh, what I, I, a podcast where they were talking about the the Vegas like consumer uh, conference. I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's all like the consumer electronics, the big things. And everything has AI, like pillows um, even. So I guess like even for me, I don't, I'm not exactly sure all that I use. I mean, I use my computer and um, some dictation software, but um, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think. Uh, starting with Mark, what adaptive devices or things do you use? And do you think it has AI or not? Yeah, that's, that's kind of a hard one. I, I guess you know, spell check and stuff like that is AI, right? So, um, you know, when I'm typing an email or something or, 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 or a memo or whatever, and, and then it pops up and say, well, do you want to put it this way or that way? That's AI, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. That's it. And I don't really like it. Uh, even though it's usually right. Uh, <laughs> I'm usually like bullshit. I liked it the way I said it, but, um, Oh, well. Um, but then after I read it again, I'm like, well, no, I guess it was right. That makes more sense. But um, I, well, in the spell check, like, are we all going to forget how to spell words? That, I mean, that's, that's a real <laughs> that that concerns me. Yeah. And uh, and 
And I like to think that I'm pretty good at spelling. I never want any real major spelling bees, but I'm pretty good at that. And, you know, when people get tell say a word or give me a name or something, and I have to take down a lot of information where I work. And, you know, sometimes usually I can spell it for someone and they're like, wow, I, well, I, I grew up learning having to spell. No one spelled for me. So, um, but I, I'm really funny. I don't like um, using any sort of uh, directional software when traveling or being somewhere. I'm a map guy. I learned to read a map when I was a kid and I like maps and I like to look at a map before I go someplace and figure out where I'm going before I get there and have it all in my head. And I really hate following people that, you know, they're not doing that. They're listening to their phone and all of a sudden they dart across the lane and turn real quick. And, you know, they're going real slow and looking at their phone and all that. But anyhow, that's, that's just the old guy talking, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think I use a whole lot of AI other than that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think uh, that you're on to something. Uh, personally, because um, I use Dragon, uh, naturally speaking, software. Um, and when I'm you, when after having used it nearly uh, 19 years or going into my 19th year uh, being uh, injured, I find that there are some words that I'm like, wait a minute, how do you spell that? And I try to not depend on correct at all. What I try to do is I use an on screen keyboard so even though the predictability comes up as saying okay this is the next word i always stop and i go spell it out myself uh because i want to remember it so and i use a lot of alpha numeric to spell out things to make the dictation more accurate as you pointed out um mark that you know sometimes it comes out and it doesn't really say what you're trying to say and even if it can you know say it a little bit more eloquently um it's still like you want to personalize it with your own words, not this kind of generative um, software. And so, yeah, it, it it remains to be the same thing. And so people are always like, man, how long did that take you to learn? Or if I'm like Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta to spell out words, but it's like, you got to continually uh, train your mind to to stick with it. Um, but, you know, Luna, how, how about you? Mm-hmm. Um, I have smart bulbs. <laughs> I tell Siri to turn off my lights. I do not want to do an extra 30 transfers because I forgot to turn off the light before going to bed. I also use Siri like an insane amount. Am I I would say that I am in the category of being slightly over dependent because mm. it makes my life easier and um on the topic of autocorrect I also, as, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot Uh, the name. Mark. Uh, Nancy said, there we go, Uh, that um, I have shakes from um, a whole bunch of stuff. So autocorrect has been a lifesaver because if I didn't have autocorrect, it would just be gibberish. (laughs) So, you know, lifesaver. Yeah, just completely. What is is a lifesaver? It makes it a lot easier for me to make sure that I stay what I mean to say, especially with on-screen keyboards, because when it comes to a physical keyboard, I don't have any issues. I type pretty fast, but when it comes to my phone, I absolutely mess up everything, and my text messages make absolutely no sense without AI. So, yeah, no, I'm definitely in the plugged-in department when it comes to stuff like that. (laughs) 
Mm. What are you saying? Yeah. What was the lifesaver you said? The autocorrect. Huh? The autocorrect. Auto like uh, when you're typing on your phone or your your computer. Mm -hmm. it's... Uh, like dictate? Well, dictation uh, helps a lot as well. But no, autocorrect is when you misspell something and your phone corrects it for you. Oh, autocorrect? Mm -hmm. What is that? Oh, neat. Can write that down. <laughs> I'm pretty reliant on autocorrect and I'm very much reliant on Siri to send messages or to turn off my lights and stuff like that. So here's here's the scary thing. It like you mentioned the, the light bulbs. I mean I, I do the same thing. I wish all my light bulbs were were smart enabled. But here's the question. Are they all AI or is there other I mean there's other like more basic technologies, right? That don't have the AI in them, like before the AI revolution last year or whatever. But the scary thing is going forward, none of us really know, do we, right? And so the question then becomes, what doesn't it have in it? And so when these things become super intelligent, what part of our universe is not dependent on them? Even our light bulbs might be dependent on the uh, the artificial intelligence, which is a creepy thought. But uh, Nancy, how about you? What what kind of assistive devices or, or software or computer gadgets do you rely on on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, this Maybe spell check, but I don't, um, I've been away from my computer pretty much because it's like, I keep thinking, oh, I got to write the book. I got to write the book and I can't do it. You know, um, I go on zoom, but a lot of times I just use my phone and, um, I just backspace. <laughs> and then, okay. I put the, put the S where it's supposed to be, you know, so I do it on you're, my you're own. All I like that autocorrect. That makes me happy. Oh, uh, no, it's, it's a, it's a slippery it's a slippery slope, Nancy. You you want to stay tethered. <laughs> huh? auto autocorrect leads to AI, which leads to... Isn't know, I, I mean, okay, I got this one publishing firm or whatever. They don't want you using AI to write the book, you know? Yeah. Right. But then I'm thinking I'm going to call TBN Trilogy and see what they say about it, you know? I mean, they want you to have it your own story and hooked up with God. And AI is quite the opposite. Uh, it's scary what AI can do. They're creating these robots to run, get rid of the population. You know, yeah, and I think that the... goes into the inherent fear that many people have is this unknown, right? You know, you have AI, and then you have autonomous things, right? You have AI being the brains that can learn and and think as it processes information, and you that just does it automatically for, because of human input. I read an article that talked about, um, and it tried to quell the fears of many of us in that it's all about the input that we give it. But if it can learn on its own, just That's like, scary. you know, if a computer, the computer knows when to update. And That's if weird. you click one link and say update automatically, then it's going to do it on its own. And one of the things that Alan Turing, who's a, a pioneer of AI, he was a um, British crypto analyst during uh, World War II, he essentially predicted that one day a computer will outmaneuver someone in chess. And though he didn't see it in his lifetime, 50 years from the time he said that, we had um, a computer system uh, made by IBM called Deep Blue, and it eventually beat the world's grandmaster in chess in the uh, late 90s. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that are like that. Something being able to make that type of predictability, as Mark alluded to it, you know, GPS 
always will tell you, hey, look, there's traffic up ahead. Do you want to reroute? But if it just automatically I do I use GPS alarm. if it automatically reroutes you without you, you know, wanting to do that, and then it proves itself to be correct, then it um, you know, can be problematic. But Harley, how about yourself? I'm gonna sound archaic because I don't own a TV, I don't own a microwave, I don't have Siri, I don't have Alexa. The um the only AI I use is like Google. Uh, especially Google Maps and stuff, uh, Adobe Acrobat, uh, Windows, Microsoft Office, and a phone. Same. That's it. Other than that, I am as disconnected as I can be and try to be as old school as I can be. And it's not just the AI thing. It's just electricity in general because uh, EMF, electromagnetic fields, we are made of electricity. Humans are. We give it off. And if we have too much electricity around us, it can disturb our bodies. It can cause us to have headaches. It can cause us to feel nauseous. It can feel like our house is haunted. When it's not, uh, there's a lot of things from having too many electrical devices around us. So I do all I can not to. Um, another thing to keep my brain sharp is, you know, I've noticed cell phones have made me stupid. I don't remember phone numbers like I used to. So, cause you just program it and then move on. Um, so for me, I work really hard to play Scrabble. So this way I'm making words. I'm having to use my brain. Um, one little weird thing that I do is I like to say the alphabet backwards. And then I'll say the alphabet backwards every other letter starting with Z. Or I'll say yeah. the alphabet backwards wow. uh, every other letter starting with Y. And these are things that I just do to keep my mind as sharp as possible. But yeah, honestly, I I really try to stay as disconnected as possible and do things the old school way. Wow, we have Amazing. we have some serious serious analog holdouts here. This is great, uh, Luna. You you raised your hand earlier. You wanted to chime in. Yeah, I wanted to add that I think people don't realize that, for example, when you search for a product on Amazon, it is actually serving you the products uh, based on your preferences and stuff like that. And then you will open your homepage on Amazon and it will tell you, hey, based on your searches, maybe you like this stuff. And we kind of don't even, like Corey mentioned, don't even realize that it's kind of everywhere. And like everyone mentioned, frankly, but um, I also think that people don't realize that they're dependent on AI and stuff like that. Now, Amazon was the easiest thing to bring up, basically. So I just wanted to kind of add that as well. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And you're reflecting more on it. Like for my work, I use I'm using it more and more. I mean, Corey, Corey knows we're using Canva to to create AI images for our social media posts and uh that's kind of how this whole super adaptables theme uh, started that some of you were, were here for uh, that we are seriously running with, but um, that's been cool. Like you don't need to, on one hand, like it, it can make you stupid. And uh, on the other hand, it can make you be able to do things that you otherwise, you know, wouldn't have time or wouldn't be able to do. Uh, so it's, it's interesting, right? There's, there are these pros and cons. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's go to the next question. Go ahead, Corey. All right. So having a spinal cord injury or any disability does come with additional challenges for pursuing employment. However, employment for people with disability 
in the United States went up from 19.1% in 2021 to 21.3% in 2022. In the same year, unemployment rates dropped as well. Post three, what has your current work environment been like? Have you ever brought up to your employer different ways to incorporate AI to assist your unique needs? And if you're not working, how do you imagine AI could help you if you were? So I, I guess I kind of already answered this question. Uh, the only thing I would add besides like the, the social media graphics that we've been doing is potentially for grant uh, grant applications that's potentially useful. Um, but who else who else among us is is working or yeah what do you what are you doing, Mark? and have you ever thought of how AI could help in the workplace? Well, I've been working for 30 years so uh, way before AI was was a thing. Um, but yeah, Dragon Dictate, I heard somebody mention that earlier that 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 was something offered to me early on and I tried it, but I just didn't like it and yeah I'm, I'm capable of typing enough. Now, I'm certainly not a fast typer, but I can I can get across what I'm trying to do and I can get it done. But uh, um, the, I work I currently work for a center for independent living here, and I answer a lot of phone calls and have to collect a lot of information from folks. And I do like I guess it's just regular autofill. I really like that when I'm typing stuff and I just got to put one letter in, and then it pops in the whole city or the whole state or whatever you want, and that saves me time. I definitely like that aspect of, 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 I guess that's some AI. Um, but I really don't use anything else per se. Um, but the place where I, but several of my coworkers do, um, some of them, you know, have a, 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 are blind. Some of them have higher level quadriplegia and they, they use different softwares and they're, they're really happy with it. They like them. And, and the, you know, the place where I work, they're very flexible about that and they'll spend, almost anything if you tell them you need a certain type of software or certain piece of equipment or whatever to make your life easier and your job easier and more efficient they're really cool about that that's really cool um you know as you um mentioned uh they offered to you um the usage of dragon naturally speaking and, and you decline because you know in part physically you can uh, you're still able to type, and for me, I remember being introduced uh, to Dragon in 2005, and I was just frustrated. I'm much a, I'm very much a blue collar uh, worker. That's where my uh, background rests in, having worked as an engineer, machinist um, in the Navy, and so utilizing the software took some time. Um, you know, I would limit myself only to emails until like I got home and I'm like, okay, you got to figure it out. There's nobody here to guide you. And at that time, the software was pretty uh, brand new. Um, and then eventually I just learned that I'm very proficient in it. Um, and what I do like, you know, because years later, you know, I work um, with John and um, he's my employer. And the fact that I'm allowed to use the software to get uh, my job done is not only kudos to John because he understands it having a disability, but also the fact that it rings true when I think about statistics. Um, you know, a quarter of people before COVID worked from home, and now that has gone up substantially. The great resignation, a lot of people left their jobs to work at home. And so working at home involves more technology, right? Um, so I imagine it to 
be very pervasive uh, beyond this point and giving more career opportunities uh, to men and women who have uh, disabilities. But, um, you know, Harley, what's your take on that? Um, goodness, I, I still feel again archaic. Uh, I use draft paper and draw the things that I need. Um, I don't work per se. Like um, I've worked at ILCs in St. George, Utah. I've worked at an ILC out of Fresno, California. Uh, currently, I'm freelance and I do everything by as a volunteer. And uh, I I don't use any software to help me draw anything. I just take a graph paper, a ruler, and a pencil. And uh, when I design ramps and stuff, I do it all old school. So, I mean, I see the benefits where these programs can really help. I really do. It's just, I guess I was raised a little too country because I still love I don't know. I just love the feel of a pencil in my hand. I love, you know, drawing. I love creating the image of the ramp that we're going to be doing, the house that we're going to be working on and updating and stuff like that. So uh, I can see the benefits of, you know, I, I, as a quadriplegic, I really could understand the appeal of AI technology and how it can assist and make things easier. Uh, I'm just... I'm so old school. I, I think the only AI thing I have is, like I said, the Microsoft Office where it tries to predict text for you or Adobe Acrobat when you're filling out a form. Uh, like Mark was saying, you type in one or two letters and it says, oh, you might be using this word, you know, and that's a that's about it. And otherwise, it's just uh, the Zoom, the camera. I know that it has AI because it uh, senses things and, you know, cell phones and that's about it. And um, otherwise, so, I everything so, by hand and in-person appointments. So I guess one of these better or, you know, a, a different type of question. Um, and then, John, you could maybe like add to it if you like over time right we have uh someone who typically joins our podcast um oh, she wow. had said that she used to do a lot of marathons and races right but then our our shoulders and arms got fatigued so as analog as many of us have come from and whatnot can we be open to the usage of ai should you know our arms start to fail us as we get older from you know especially for those who have manual wheelchairs well i mean i think i think it's a good point uh cory i'm i guess i'm really thankful for all you analog <laughs> you are the you are the hope of humanity because like i i feel a little cheap you know doing the doing the canva graphic ai graphics because I I never bothered learning learning the skills of like an artist, right? And I'm able to just throw these things together in a matter of minutes. And not, if I don't like it, I just type in a few more words and it spits out something else. Um, and, you know, most able-bodied people aren't going to have that. Ex I mean, they're not coming from from our experience, right? Of, of living with a disability, having lost an ability and then regaining it using technology. It's more of, oh, wait, I don't have to learn X, Y, and Z in the first place ever? Great. Mm. And so we're going to have, we're going to be facing the prospect of a real brain drain. Uh, you know, one one notable example is if you look at, uh, what, what's what's the movie with the little ro recycling robot? Uh, is it Wally? No. Wally, there you go. Wally goes to goes to the spaceship in the future. Every, everyone, it's not because they're disabled; they've just become 
become so lazy. They're rolling around in hovering power chairs. And, and, and that's, it's just more convenient. You know, I remember before I had a spinal cord injury, I thought, I thought it would be great, you know, rolling around in a power chair. Um, and I could use my legs at the time. And a lot of people, even if they're paras or if they can't push themselves, you know, the first thought is, oh, wait, maybe I should get a power chair. I'm not realizing that if you have the ability to push, you know, you need to use every ounce of, of uh, movement you can to keep yourself fit. So I don't know. I'm, I am nervous, but I'm, I'm grateful for everyone who's, who's doing analog. Uh, mm-hmm. But Nancy and then, and then Luna, how are you? If, are you, you know, when you, you were talking about power life? chairs and manual chairs, I got angry. It's like, why can't everybody have a power chair? But it sounds to me like not everybody should have a power chair. <laughs> Otherwise, you lose the strength in your body. Yes. Right. But still, right. what if you got to go pill or something? How do you deal yeah, with definitely. that if you got a manual chair? I trust the batteries in my arms a lot more than the batteries in a chair. <laughs> what did you say, Mark? I said I trust the batteries in my arms a lot more than I trust the batteries in a power chair. <laughs> yeah. If you don't plug it in, you're in trouble. Amen. And Luna, how about you? If, I kind of uh, wanted to say something on the note of power chair versus manual chair i what the um i um was disabled my entire life i don't really have that pre-spinal cord injury experience so to me i have always been extremely against uh power chairs power chairs and i was I'm still kind of terrified because my left shoulder is completely gone um, from pushing all the years and playing basketball with a dislocated shoulder. That was really smart. Uh, Now I'm paying for that. So uh, I don't know. To me, it was always and is still something I am fighting. I do not want to be in a power chair. I would rather get a smart drive than a power chair. That's still, I still have a lot more control over that. And yeah, I still have to push, but I do get a little bit of that assistance. Um, Which kind of on the AI topic, it would honestly be kind of interesting if Smart Drive actually had AI assistance because when you push, instead of having to double tap the bracelet, it would just immediately be like, okay, you're pushing. So I'm going to provide a little bit of support. And that would be actually kind of interesting, but um, I'm uh, on the topic of the actual question. I'm not working, um, but I think that AI could help people who are complete quads to type and stuff like that, and uh, for blind people, uh, you know, stuff like that. Just be able to have that assistance for deaf people because I currently have captions on on Zoom and that's AI. It's generating text as we speak. And for deaf people, that's extremely important in my opinion. So yeah, yeah, I wanted, uh, what is the smart thing you were talking about? Smart what? No, smart, well, drive. smart drive. Smart drive. What does that do? It's basically a third a full, well, a fifth wheel that you put on the back of a manual wheelchair and it is uh, powered so that when you are going up a hill, for example, it will give you assistance. When you're just pushing through a store, you don't have to keep doing the rotations. You just double tap the bracelet and it just goes. Well, that's good. But you still have that control of being in a manual wheelchair instead of... Never mind the fact that people don't realize, able-bodied, of course, that... All of this adaptive equipment is extremely expensive. 
Like having a power chair isn't in the financial means of absolutely everybody. Right. Not everybody has insurance that's going to cover that. You need to fight to get most of the stuff with insurance companies. So, yeah, I, I think that it's very important that uh, people in the able-bodied community actually understand, well, you know, my shoulder is going out. Well, why don't you just get an electric wheelchair? Because right. it's expensive. It yeah, is so expensive. Insurance doesn't cover those things as easily, but Harley has her hand up. Go ahead. Yeah, like Luna said, you know, it's expensive. That's why, um, you know, I can't, I don't get married is because if I were to get married, I'd lose all my medical, all my food stamps, almost all of my uh, cash benefits. And, you know, like she was saying, you know, I'm in a motorized wheelchair and my uh, wheelchair raises completely a whole foot so I can reach my cabinets. It tilts, it reclines, it lays down, it can... It has a phone charger in, in it, for goodness sakes. And so uh, this chair alone costs about 30000 And so I understand completely on what it's like to, you know, need certain things. Um, I've been a quadriplegic 29 years. And I've been in a uh, power chair for 25 of those years. And my shoulders are starting to have issues. So just from transferring back and forth all the time from vehicles, couches, bed. And so technology does help. And I see so many benefits, even though I don't utilize a lot of it. And you, your guys' comments makes me think, you know, all the bureaucracy of, you know, you, you know, of finding stuff for insurance and getting things covered, getting prescriptions, figuring out, you know, can I get married or, or not? How to manage benefits? Like the bureaucracy is so complicated. That's what we need AI for. <laughs> but mm. let's, let's train some AI on all the ridiculous legislation and ask it how to game the system more effectively. I also mm. wanted to chime in on the whole getting married thing because I have said it a bajillion times that marriage equality is not a thing in America because marriage equality isn't just... Uh, to al- allow sex, same-sex couples to get married, but also for disabled people to not lose our benefits because at the end of the day, we are individual people. We cannot work. It's 2024. Nobody can afford to just have one partner working. So we need to have our own income. We're not just a burden to put on somebody and just be like, okay, well, you have a partner. They work. Why can't you just be taken care of by them? And it's like, I'm sorry. Last time I checked, you when people are married, both people are w- working at this point because nobody can afford a house. So why is it that as soon as I get married, I lose all of my benefits? And now I have to basically not just spend for myself, but also be re- reliant on my partner for absolutely everything so i i have said it a bajillion times marriage equality is not a thing in america yeah in fact before you close out with that john um you know there are a lot of tax incentives when you are married as opposed to being uh single which is kind of like off because it's like man I can I can't be disabled and married, but I can be able bodied in and married. So that she brings up a very good point. Yeah. No, it's and and just so everyone knows that is something we have to fight for state by state. It's it's ridiculous that, you know, we have to fight to remove those asset limits for uh for Medicare and Medicaid. Medicaid by state, 
Medicare federally. Um, so yeah, that's a really great point. Um, so the last, last question. Around the world, AI is used throughout society, government, business, school, and the home to help make things happen more smoothly and efficiently. This modern marvel is both revered and feared. What reservations or hopes do you have about artificial intelligence? How can people with disabilities be involved in developing a more inclusive infrastructure as it relates to AI? And do you think machines can take control and learn like humans? So it's yeah, the last part is true. It is learning, you know, take control and learning about like humans. That's what they're doing now. Absolutely. I mean, currently, sorry, currently AI is being uh, developed, learning, quote unquote, by people inserting information into it and telling it how to think. So you can't, uh, at this very moment, uh, AI isn't programmed to learn about, learn the way that humans do. And the problem with equality there is most of the AI is being made by able-bodied people and also mostly men. So, uh, a lot so, of that inclusivity in is missing. We're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and it's it's true, right? Because it depends on what it's what it's being trained on. It takes all this data, and then you know goes through it and finds the patterns. And I've seen this, you know, on again when I'm using Canva to make social media images, I I say person in a wheelchair, um, and it doesn't, you know, it's the stereotypical wheelchair, right? It's not the wheelchair that that most of us who live in wheelchairs permanently use it's it's your typical hospital hospital chair it knows what a power chair looks like it knows what a racing wheelchair is like but you know sometimes it has like six wheels <laughs> sometimes it has only two wheels um we definitely need to be involved you know in the in the training of this so that people with disabilities are are included um you know especially as you know one of the dangers is you know, replacing models um, or replacing actors uh, with disabilities um, can be mm -hmm. a real danger. But, you know, the other one, on one hopeful note, you know, this does create the possibility for actors with disabilities, for example, to reverse the trend. So instead of an able-bodied actor, you know, getting injured in a, in a, in a movie plot and then like they do some CGI and remove his legs. So he's like a double amputee or something. They can use AI to take a double amputee, give him legs <laughs> and, you know, do vice versa. So, you know, make the disabled character a real disabled person and the able-bodied character, the CGI character, um, or the, the able-bodied version be the CIA, CGI version. So that's, that's an interesting possibility that might be able to help us. But um yeah, curious what other wanted... people think about the reservations or hopes. Um, Luna, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to chime in again because I'm seeing a lot of parallels between wheelchairs being desi designed by able-bodied people and actually, for example, cars. A lot of people don't realize that, for example, uh, AFAB's women um, are actually more in danger to... Uh, be in the car because, for example, the airbags were designed around male bodies, and now because women have smaller frames and um, 
all of that, it, it's not actually women are basically more likely to get injured in a car accident than a man. So that's basically one of the concerns because you're not considering everything and able-bodied people designing AI or wheelchairs or whatever it is, is honestly to an extent kind of dangerous for us because they're not taking into consideration every single thing that can go wrong. Meanwhile, we live it every single day and we do see those problems. So I think part of the, yeah, I think part of the issue, what you're leaning towards is something that we've spoken on um, throughout several podcasts is in the beginning of whatever you build, you have to bring multiple people from all walks of life into that conversation initially from the start. So what happens is um, like the conversation as we're speaking tonight revolves around artificial intelligence. And the first thing we kind of, Think about what artificial intelligence is right now, chat GPT and um, open AI. And we think computers right now. But as I was talking earlier and just in the research, uh, preparing for the podcast, this has been a thought process since the 1930s, 1940s. There has been ample amount of time. But when you grow up in an environment that people with disabilities, people with color, um, if they're already being excluded out of the conversation, whatever advent, anything that comes into society is going to be missing those components to make it inclusive, right? So like you said, when it comes down to crash test dummies, you know, it should be a woman in the car and, and the man built somewhere else in the car. Maybe the child um, is, is placed differently on the bus as opposed to where like another person would be placed because it's trying to replicate other variables. But that's the whole point in it, trying to learn those patterns. But, you know, in truth, it's not going to be able to predict it all. Just, you know, maybe predict things a little bit faster. But Mark, um, what do you think? What are your thoughts about it? You got any reservations about it? Yeah. Most of what I've heard about it sounds pretty damn spooky. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to it now. The possibility of having a a robotic uh, PCA that's that's somewhat appealing. Although then I got to worry that's going to kill me or something. I guess, but um, or injure me. Um, but the the predict that the predictability of that would be positive and. Um, the enhanced possibilities of being on time <laughs> would really be helpful. <laughs> um, and maybe it's going to be cheaper in the long run. I don't know. But uh, so those possibilities sound positive, but, uh, but overall, I, I don't, I don't think that, I think we're going into it a little too quickly and I, I don't think they're, they're taking into consideration enough of the dangers of it overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're talking to a guy that carries a flip phone. So I don't know. Mm. If it works, it works. Yeah, man, brother. Yeah, no, I well, I'm glad to hear that you're you're open to the idea of a robotic caregiver. Well, not not glad. I'm interested because I would be I would be terrified. Um, but you know th- that is an interesting interesting possibility. And you said about the timeliness that would that could solve a lot of problems. But yeah, like this is going out into the real world. It's no longer going to be limited to our screens or or 2D apps. Um, you know, this is already kind of reading our resumes and reading our insurance 
uh, applications and making huge decisions that that used to be you know human uh, intuition based or human empathy based. Um, so it is it is kind of scary. Uh, what do you think, Nancy? How you know what reservations or hopes do you have about artificial intelligence and in, in the years to come? Scared. Yeah. I mean, you know, they can make it so they destroy the planet. I don't know. There's there's a society that's in charge of of kind of looking at the largest risks to the planet and AI I believe is number 1 or number yeah. 2 or 3. Yeah. Yeah, it's 1 yeah. 2 and 3. <laughs> it's 1 2 and 3. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's scary. One way or the other. Huh? Yeah, what? one one way or the other it's going to get us. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, okay. if they, you know, like um like you guys what about about um stem cells what do you think about that did, would it help you to be able to walk again well there's a lot to you know that, that is a whole nother topic you can bring that up uh, next have, time well <laughs> well in short i mean with stem cells i mean there's a lot that goes on it's the the timeliness um you know, to actually apply it, scar tissue that's, you know, has been built up over years, you know what I mean? It's also a moral uh, question for right. uh, many people. How do you attain it? And so the science isn't 100%. There are people who have gotten the treatment and it has made some improvements. And then there's others who um, it's worsened. So it's not yeah. a 100% um thing yeah. but that that definitely be probably be a topic that we'll cover at another point uh, i want to make sure we get to um harley because i don't think she back to AI. Uh, weighed on in on the question but one thing uh we didn't speak about harley maybe as you're answering this question you can uh speak to it you know we're having this great wonderful discussion but also about the ethical portions of ai the current right. data collection that's yeah. going on to in order for it to learn. But Harley, I'll let you um, answer that question. Uh, question. Three. Funny thing you bring up the ethical. Uh, has anyone ever heard of the movie Bicentennial Man made in 1999 by Robin Williams? Yes, I what have his name? Robin Williams is a cyborg. He is AI. And throughout the movie, he becomes more and more human. And he learns the complication, the co the complexity of humans and the complexity of their thoughts, the complexity of their feelings and emotions. And by the end of the movie, he is 100% human, or I should say 99% human, but he is still AI and cyborg and therefore denied the ability to be called human even though he is human in every aspect thought you know thinkable imaginable and it's kind of heart-wrenching to see something become someone but yet still dubbed and deemed thing so you know that's a beautiful movie i mean it is an amazingly well done movie now throw the switch let's go the other way look at let's look at irobot starring will smith from just a couple of years ago you know, it actually took over and made humans, you know, prisoners in their own home because they were following the three laws. And in the very beginning of the movie, it gives you those three laws that AI has to follow. And Will Smith's character completely hated robots because they decided in an auto accident, they did the calculations and AI yeah. said, 
this person only has a 10% chance of survival. Therefore, I, I'm just going to ignore the person, let them die and go for this person. So you have AI doing calculations of risk assessment for us. Whereas like Will's character, Will Smith's character said, if that was me, I would still take that 10% risk to save that person's life. I wouldn't just say, oh, 20% chance of survival. Next. So, and then you have Sonny who was programmed to be different. And so when they called him a robot, he said, my name is Sonny. He was given hopes. He was given dreams. He was given all these things to be different. So AI can be taken from a diverse positive to an absolute negative. Whereas like the movie Surrogate with Will uh, Bruce Willis, right. where humans are just laying in chairs and they have the virtual reality goggles on and they're living a virtual reality life that is perfect for them. They go shopping for skins. They go shopping for clothes. They go shopping for all oh, these no. things while the human mm -hmm. is deteriorating. See, two years ago, we were all talking about the metaverse at these Vegas technology conferences. Now they're talking about AI. No one's talking about the metaverse anymore. So good news. We've avoided the matrix. Um, <laughs> but have we really? <laughs> well, it's interesting. You know, I want to touch on two things real quick. Nancy mentioned, you know, stem cells. Well, there's there's a lot of other scientific explorations, especially regarding, you know, spinal cord injury, but also lots of other diseases and conditions that AI could really help speed up the process for, for research and, and testing because it can just process so much data at once. So that's, right. that's actually a really interesting thing. But then on like the doomsday scenario, uh, I don't think that we're going to end up in either case where AI destroys us because it's developed a, an evil personality um, or that we're going to, you know, suffer, we're going to be the cause of injustice and in, in denying AI humanity. But it's more like we are going to become the robots. We are going to be giving up our, our human intelligence and any disaster that befalls us is going to be because we've forgotten how to critical think. We've forgotten how to do our own research when we see a news article and believe it at face value. You know, you know I got to tell you something. I better not have nightmares tonight. <laughs> the, uh, that's the thing, you know, AI, you know, in like even um, Resident Evil and stuff, they weren't trying to take over the world. They weren't trying to destroy us. As they say in iRobot and in Resident Evil, they're they're following the three laws and they are destroying humans in their thoughts of actually protecting us from our own demise. So in those movies, you know, if you listen to it, it says, I am following the three laws. I am protecting you because you are fighting wars against each other. You are destroying yourselves. So in their view, their opinion, they are thinking they are protecting us, even though they are destroying us. Right. Legal, legalistic thinking is, is always going to kill us in the end. It is. And I love the debates. Um, I think people don't realize that the AI is trained on someone else's work. And that work isn't being given, but those people aren't being given credit. It's basically just being taken and distributed the best the best example of that is um dali which is a program that draws things for you um it was fed van gogh's art now we can all 
we all know who Van Gogh is and he's kind of dead. So that's beside the point. But <laughs> so, but we are giving credit there, but not to other artists who are newer. And you'll just say, I don't know, draw me a picture in the style of, I don't know, um, abstract style. And the AI was trained with other people's abstract work. So when you ask for it to draw something in an abstract manner, it is taking what it knows from other people without giving the credit to those people. Yeah. So the, the ethics of that are pretty complicated. How do you give credit to the people who actually originally created it? And the fact that AI basically stole it and started doing stuff, well, not the AI, the people who trained the AI essentially right. ended up stealing it, feeding it to the um, AI model. And now all of a sudden it's drawing images similar to people who aren't named. Yeah. I kind of wanted to add that about the ethics. No, no, that, that was excellent. Uh, excellent point. You may. Um, and and I think that's where the conversation um, is going to begin, right? It's more questions, right? It, it's bringing, you know, different minds from across the board, some of the most of influential thinkers in society to even children's uh, input into what can possibly occur. It's about predictability, probability. Um, and the one thing that we know that computers can't do is you can't feel, right? You, you know, Harley uh, spoke about that earlier. Like if there's if there's this percentage that uh, this person is going to survive uh, an accident versus this one, then you choose the one that you think can move forward. And, and you know, even what you said earlier about insurance and, and power chairs and even insurance, uh, when it comes down to uh, coverage uh, for life insurance, it's more like, well, if you have these type of ailments, you run more of the risk, you're more of a liability. And I think that's the fear that we're all looking for um, and that we're kind of inherently uh, worried about coming from the, a community with people with disabilities. We don't want to be part of the lower percentage of, you know, waste in society we want to be part of the inclusory portion that says okay you guys all matter and this technology isn't supposed to be available for just the rich and those who can um pay for it but it can be a part of everybody's conversation from employment to uh medical services and where it can quell our fears irregardless of what we think that the machine can or cannot do. And I really appreciate everybody's time tonight. You guys have brought up some excellent points. And I think, you know, maybe we'd have to go into a part two at some time um, about this discussion because there's really much to uh, debate about it. But thank you for your participation in our More Than Walking video podcast discussion. And stay tuned and join us next month and sign up for the More Than Walking newsletter at morethanwalking.com to learn about the topic we will cover next. Until then, remain encouraged, stay hopeful, and above all else, keep, keep adapting. adapting. Have a good night, everyone. Excellent. Have a good night. Have a great one. And stay, stay away from those computers. <laughs> Please do. Lower your screen time. Shut it off. <laughs>